What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. Town, they would go to the synagogues and they would they would quote Old Testament scriptures. They would talk about the law. They would they would have these little sermons prepped and ready, and people would come around and would listen. But this is different because the Bible said that Jesus he didn't speak like a normal priest. He spoke like someone who had authority. These people didn't flock around Jesus because of the cloak he was wearing. They came around Jesus because when he spoke, you wanted to listen. What he said was, it was life. You could feel it. It's like something inside you went, oh my gosh, this is real. This is right. And I have got to be there for what he is saying. All these people come around him to hear what he has to say. And Jesus sees these guys off to the side. They have docked their boat and they've got everything out and they're cleaning their nets because they just had an unsuccessful trip. And this is the thing that I love so much about this story. These guys do this for a living. And Jesus is about to give them advice for how to catch more fish after having a completely unsuccessful trip of doing so. That's a little rude, okay? It's Jesus and there's a whole miracle about to take place and I get all of that. If Jesus was gonna give me advice on how to fish, that would be great. I have no idea what I'm doing. Every once in a while at youth camp, they put me out by the pond to help kids put worm on a hook and get them out there and fish and I don't know what to tell them and I freak out every time they catch anything and I have to take the fish off the hook. I'm not a fisherman, never will be, it's not a thing. But these guys do this for a living and the chances are good that their dad and their grandpa did this for a living. They know how to do this. And Jesus tells them to go back out. Oh, and I love it because they they already checked the boxes for what to do to catch fish. Have you ever been in a season where it was like, Lord, I'm doing everything I know to do. I even prayed three times today. Like I'm checking the boxes. I went to church. I tithed. I went and talked to my professor and tried to get things dialed in. I have done everything I know to do. I sit and counsel with people all the time that like when they're dealing with anxiety, right? They're they're dealing with with struggle. And one of the first things that we talk about is yeah, we're gonna get in the prayer closet because we believe God can do what only God can do, but we wanna do the things that we can, right? So maybe you're one of these people that you've been battling mentally. So you're going, okay, I'm watching my diet. I'm drinking less coffee. I'm doing the things that I know to do and I'm still here. I've checked the boxes, but I'm not catching any fish. I've done everything I know. They have done everything the way that it worked before, but they can't catch any fish. And I love what Jesus says. He finishes his teaching, (laughs) turn to the fishermen, and this is the word that I want to give you tonight. Lean in, lean in, lean in. Verse four, Jesus said, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. The new King James says to launch into deep water. The NLT says, now go out where it is deeper. 
if it feels like things aren't lining up, if you're checking the boxes, if you're doing the things you know to do, I just felt it in my spirit this week, then it's time to go deeper in your relationship. It's time to go. You see, there are two places in the gospels where Jesus does this kind of miracle. Now there's times when he like multiplies the the bread and the fish to feed everybody, right? But there's two specific times where Jesus helps fishermen catch a ton of fish. The first time is here in Luke when he tells them, go out deeper and cast your nets. But there's another place in John in chapter 21, if you're taking notes, where, where Jesus has resurrected from the dead, he comes back to the disciples and he sees them out fishing again and not catching anything. And this time he says to throw the nets on the other side of the boat. There are times you're not seeing the results you need to because you're simply not doing the right things. Because your, your direction is out of line. Let, let me say it like this. Sometimes the issue that you're not seeing fruit is direction. And that's where Jesus shows up and he says, hey, throw it on the other side of the boat. And we may, well, listen, we may do this as a, a two-parter. We may come in next week and talk about this because there are legitimate practical things that there are times in life when we are praying, 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 God, I need you to move. I need you to show up because I'm so anxious. But like I said a minute ago, but you swipe for seven hours a day on social media. You are drinking seven cups of coffee. Right? And he's like, okay, God, heal me, heal me, heal me. And he's like, I'm trying. <laughs> You're actually okay. You just need to be less caffeinated. And I'm preaching to myself. I'm not going to look at my wife because that's my issue. I'm okay. I just drink too much caffeine. But there are times that the problem is the direction. That there are little things that we, that we need to adjust. But then there's times like this passage in Luke where the problem isn't so much the direction, but it's the depth. Sometimes you're not seeing the results you want to because you're not doing the right things. But I think there are some times that we don't see the results that we want because we're too shallow. And hear me, this isn't about earning grace. And there's a, a, a tension here, right? If Pastor Jeremy was in here, this is about when he would come take the mic and go, but don't forget, it's God's grace. And, and I, it's, it's important, this matters. You can't earn grace. You can't earn healing. That's not how this works. That's not at all what I'm insinuating. But what I am saying is it's not just about earning grace or anything like that, but it is about choosing God. We like the idea of being saved without having to be sanctified. We really like the idea of going, God, heal me, provide for me, do, do all the things that I need but don't make me change. Don't, don't make me do anything different. Again, you have this salvation moment, this beautiful moment when you get wrecked in the presence of God. You come to this realization of I have got to have you. I have got to be healed. I can't do this on my own. And here, if you're here tonight and you haven't had that moment, it can happen tonight where you realize like, I can't do this on my own. Things aren't working. I've been trying to figure it out for a hot minute now and it's just not happening. Well, it's not happening because you weren't meant to figure it out on your own. Wow. And there are, there's this beautiful salvation moment. Oh, and one day can change anything, amen? That one moment, that one day can change everything. And sometimes that one day is not, not even a good change. Bad things can happen in a day and everything changes. And some of y'all know what I mean. 
We've seen stuff, we've lost family, everybody's been through something and it's like how in, in one moment, how did everything just, ugh. But one moment can change everything. See this right there? Means I'm a married man, praise God. It's the greatest thing that has ever happened to me other than salvation. I'm a blessed man. I'm a husband. I am husband. There's your quote for today. <laughs> I am, am husband. I'm in a covenant relationship now. And hear me, everything changes because of that. And short of a terrible accident or the Lord coming back, I intend to stay that way. I'm in a covenant relationship. Everything changed that day. It impacts every area of my life. Everything adjusted that day. When you accept Jesus, you are immediately changed forever. But you see, what you don't know is that a couple years before I said I do and I put this thing on, I had given Livy this little necklace. Oh, it was so cringy and cute. It said Caleb's girl on it. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. You're jelly. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I had given her this necklace that said Caleb's girl on it. And I, hold on. Now, here's why I did that. Here's why I did that. My wonderful wife, very early on in age, I kid you not, the Holy Spirit told her that I was going to be her husband. And now, no, hold up. Well, this opens up a Pentecostal can of worms that we'll catch in a few months in our dating series come back and we'll talk about that because there, there are real times that I do believe that the Lord can speak and bring clarity on who you're supposed to date. I also have seen so many stupid things take place because you're like, I hate you, but God said we're supposed to be together. We laugh, but I've seen it. I've seen it. But this was a real situation for us. The Lord spoke to her. Well, he didn't speak to me. I had to figure it out. It took me a minute for, the, for me to come to this realization of like, I dated a couple different people and was like, nah, that's just not it. Nope. And there's some of you that you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It was all, I was like, nope, God is not in that one. This is not it. Not that person. Okay. That relationship. Whoa, whoa. God was in that person. Like, anyway, I digress. <laughs> Although maybe that's why it wasn't working. I don't know. But Livy knew early on who she was going to marry. I didn't. I had been in a handful of relationships. And let's just be honest. I wasn't super proud of how I handled those relationships. I had made mistakes. And praise God, it wasn't things that I will like regret for forever. But I hadn't always been the man that I am now. And I made mistakes. And when we started dating and we got serious, I started processing. Man, she kept herself not just physically pure, but intentionally devoted to the plan of God. And I hadn't always done that. And I didn't ever want there to be anything of like, oh, man, uh, maybe Caleb misses this. Or maybe, you know, Caleb experienced this or Caleb did whatever. So I got this cute little cringy necklace. Hey, Caleb's girl. And it was such a silly, like simple thing, Right. But in the moment, it was such a special, special thing. But can you imagine, can you imagine if I never did anything else? Hear me. Can you imagine if I got her that necklace, 
but never sold my motorcycle to buy the engagement ring. Can you imagine if I never got on one knee and proposed? If I had never written my vows? If I had never gotten a full-time job to be ready to be the priest of my home? If I hadn't followed through, hear me, hear me. The necklace was a gesture of my love for her. The wedding date, that moment was the day of commitment. But that wasn't like the end. That was the beginning of our life together. These things, they they weren't the ending point. Oh, and here's where I fuss at Disney. Because the happily ever after, every movie ends with happily ever after. Okay, listen, the story after the I do's is so much better than the one before. And we get so caught up on this moment of like this wedding day and this stuff, that's great. But what we're doing is we're celebrating the beginning of a new thing. The day you said yes to Jesus changes everything. And from that point on, you're committed. You're sold out. That's the day that everything changes, that everything goes. It's the most important day of your life, but that's not the period at the end of the statement. That's the capital letter starting the new sentence. This is the beginning of something new. As a child of God, I've got and you've got access to the Holy Spirit and his leadership. We have access to freedom and joy and a seat at his table. And what I mean by that is you have an open invitation to be in God's presence at any time you choose to acknowledge him. Anytime you choose to be in his presence. A relationship is based off of daily community, daily covenant, and daily devotion. If you are unsatisfied in your faith, help me Lord, it might be because you are assuming that that one moment from years ago was intended to hold you over. And it wasn't. And hear me, I'm not diminishing in the slightest the beautiful day of your salvation. It's the most important thing that will ever happen in your life. But I think it's so easy to always look back at that and to to take for granted. Yeah, but that's, that's the beautiful launching point. That is the beautiful launching point into the new life that God has for you. You got to go deeper. I want more. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want more. Jesus tells them, go go deeper and cast your nets. Go deeper and cast your nets. And Simon recognizes that obviously Jesus is a teacher. All these people have gathered around him. In fact, it's Simon's boat that Jesus has been preaching out of off to the side. He acknowledges he must know what he's talking about. And he makes that incredible statement. He said, Lord, we did this all night. We didn't catch anything, but because you say so. And you know what they do? They do the exact same thing they just did. They checked the same boxes. They went back to work Monday morning. They still went to class. (laughs) They did the same thing, but they went deeper. When you accept Jesus, it's an exchange. Our sin for his righteousness. But there is a change involved, a a transformation involved. And there are times in your life 
when God calls you to go deeper in your relationship. And sometimes, sometimes it costs you something. Prayer, fasting, worship. Oh, this week, the, the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me this week. I told a couple guys earlier, but Monday I heard a, a pastor preach out of this. I was at the gym and in the middle of the workout, I was listening to the sermon. I was like, okay, God. I literally went from the gym to my house to get my laptop back to Starbucks to sit there. And I'm like taking notes and processing through. And honestly, 75% was notes that I wanted to write down for myself. Like 25% of it was like, oh, Oasis needs this, praise God. A lot of it was God going, hey, let's go deeper. Let's not, let's not shallow here, Caleb. We've been doing this schedule for a while. We've been doing this level of committed for a while. Are you willing to go deeper? I was like, yeah, okay. The Lord started dealing with my prayer life. And please don't misunderstand me. I pray for y'all. I really do. But I heard a minister two weeks ago made the statement that he was talking to pastors and he said, you don't have the right to preach to people you don't pray for. And I was like, pause. <laughs> and I went down and I was like, God bless Trevor and Brooke and Dylan and Libby and Nolan. And, Dylan. and I was like, everybody I could think of. But God helped my prayer life. Help me be committed in my, in my prayer life. pastor started talking about fasting we don't talk about that a whole lot in 2022 especially not literal fasting because the fasting that we talk about right now is like get off of social media for a while and tell let me tell you that's super healthy okay that's super healthy but that's much more a self-discipline thing than a spiritual thing and I don't want to diminish the fact that God may very well tell you to get off of social media for a while but it hits different when you don't eat for a day or two it's different. When you're, you're, you're willing to say, God, I, you know, I've been fishing for a minute and I haven't caught anything and I'm desperate for more. So I'm going to put my flesh out of the way and say no to this because your word says that man does not live on bread alone and I need a breakthrough. I need more. I, I don't know what that looks like. I, I, I need more. I want more. Oh, and God forbid we be too shallow to walk in what God is trying to open a door for. Can you, uh, we get so bored at times. And if not you, then just me. We're checking the boxes. It's like, oh, I need to pray today. Okay. I've got this, man, I've got this thing on my iPad and it's, it's, it helps me get like excited to read the word again and to, where I can open the Bible app and a journal thing all at the same time. It's beautiful. Split screen. And it's just nerdy enough to get me excited about doing it because I get so bored and, and I'm, I have a hard time just like, oh, the self-discipline of just, of just seeing it. But can you imagine the disciples getting bored following Jesus? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Because for them, this wasn't an addition to their life. It was life itself. And I think at times, y'all, I'm a pastor. I get it. I get it. 
But I, I, there are times when I feel like Jesus is an addition to my life. Where my priorities can so easily get out of whack. He said, no, 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 no. You may be checking the right boxes and doing the right things, but I want to be everything. I, I, I want to be everything. So I'm, I'm in an all-in position, if you can't tell. In my life right now, in this season right now, the, the Lord has just tugged on my heart for more, and I want more. I want more. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want more. A couple months ago, we took a family vacation to Florida, and it reminded me how much I hate carpooling to Florida. And don't, don't get me wrong, I love the people that I drove with. That's just a long drive. It's just a long drive. And you know, I'm getting old, so my back hurts. It's just, well, maybe I'm not getting old. Maybe I'm just in bad shape. I don't know. But my back starts hurting. It doesn't feel good, and you're cramped. And I'm with two people that I love very much so that I'm not going to make eye contact with. But they are best friends in the world, and they're so loud. So there was a time when they were asleep, and I was listening to a podcast, and it was great. And then they were awake. And I had to turn the podcast off because it was very loud, but it was so fun. But it reminded me of how much I prefer flying. And we didn't do so because it was so expensive. And don't get me wrong. I don't enjoy like the experience of flying. I just enjoy the lack of experience of driving for a lot of hours. And I was reminded of when Livy and I took our honeymoon, we flew and it was probably the longest flight I had been on. And we are, are a flying coach, uh, 100%, because I don't roll like that. So we're, we're just hanging out, and the, the unspeakable happened. I had to use the restroom. It's the worst feeling ever, because there's only one reason that anyone ever stands up on an airplane. So you know everybody's like, well. And even if they're not, you feel like they're watching you all the way up. And thank goodness we were towards the back of the airplane. So it was, but the experience of being back there is just not fun at all. In fact, the experience of flying coach is just a sad experience. Now, and I, hear me, I say that as if I've ever flown first class. I have not, but I've seen it in the movies and it looks awesome. Look, you know, in the movies, it's like everybody has their own recliner. There's like a free popcorn machine off to the side. There's celebrities everywhere. Like it just feels like the most wonderful experience ever. You feel like at any moment you're going to run into somebody that you've always wanted to meet. It seems like the coolest thing ever. But you know the difference between getting to fly first class and flying coach has nothing to do with being a celebrity Nothing to do with your skin color, your gender, or anywhere that you're at. It is entirely based off of the price that you are willing to pay. When you got saved, we got on this big old airplane together. And we are on a flight together until we get to heaven one day. But the experience that we have on the plane completely depends on the cost we're willing to pay. And again, don't mishear me. I'm not talking about buying grace. When I say price, what I'm referring to is we ask God for peace and then we neglect his presence. And even people that don't follow Jesus are like, that makes no sense, y'all. 
It's like going to therapy and asking them to help you and then ignoring their advice. We cry out for joy, but then we dedicate our time to things that, that don't bring happiness. We stay anxious. We stay depressed and we're just going, God, fix it. God, fix it. God, fix it. Y'all listen, we treat God like he's a genie when he's a father. If you walk with God, he walks with you. And sometimes that looks like sacrificing the desires of your flesh. Doesn't that sound like such an old school pastor thing to say? (laughs) But it's true. Sometimes this thing wants things that are not good for you. And going deeper with God. These fishermen, they already did this. They had already tried. They are tired. And y'all, at the beginning of the story, they've pulled everything out of the boat and have already cleaned the nets. Can you imagine how embarrassing it would have been if they get back out there and all of these people that are standing there see them catch nothing and Jesus has been like, ah, psych! (laughs) They are committed to giving this thing a shot even though it costs them something. Their time. Listen, it it is so much easier to stay in the shallow. Because people think you're weird when you're deep. When it's acceptable still, and I don't know for how much longer, but it's acceptable still to tell people you go to church on Sunday morning. Not so much to tell them you stayed up three hours last night praying. It's acceptable to tell them you listen to Elevation Worship or Maverick City while you drive because it helps you be at peace. And I know because I'm seeing everybody Spotify like year wrapped or whatever. And I'm seeing stuff from people that are like, yes, uh, Naomi Rains was my most listened to this year. And I'm like, you're not, you're not, I know you're not saved. It's acceptable to do certain things. But when you, you fast for a couple days, you're weird. That's okay. I'm, I'm good with being weird. If I get more. I'm okay with whatever that looks like if I can go deeper. And I mean it. You can't earn grace. You can't trick God into healing you. He's not a genie. It doesn't work that way. But so many of us are living off of that moment like when I gave Livy that Caleb's girl necklace. So many of us are looking back to that beautiful moment of salvation. That day where everything changed. As if that was the end of something instead of the beginning of something new. At Oasis, years ago, the Lord put this this desire, this vision in our heart to be a place where young people could come experience God, where this could be a a safe spot, where the, the noise and the drama from work, from school, from family, from whatever, where you could leave that out in the parking lot. Y'all, we pray. Every Thursday night, our dream team meets in here pre-service. And every week, you'll hear me say, Lord, anoint the property so when they get here, anxiety has to leave. Because we want this to be a place where peace can be. That this could be a literal oasis. 
We want this to be a place where you can come and encounter God and gain family. And and in that, there are a handful of scriptures that we come back to that are vision scriptures. You hang out long enough, you'll hear me preach sermons on these same three or four passages. One of them is John 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus is passing through the city and he, he sits down at this well and he has this whole interaction with this woman. And he tells her, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for living water and never thirst again. Later on in John, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches and apart from me, you can do nothing. There are these scriptures and one of the ones that is dearest to my heart is in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 47, the the Lord shows this vision to him and he looks through the temple and, and it's crazy, you gotta go read it, but there's this this part in chapter 47 where this this living water is flowing from the temple and the bible says that the lord leads ezekiel and he walks however many cubits and it's ankle deep and he keeps walking and it's knee deep and then it's waist deep and then it's so high that he, he can't stand anymore and the bible says that at that point it empties out and in verse 8 The Lord says to him, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish. Why? Because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh so where the river flows everything will live hear me i don't want you to live ankle deep because when you get full into this thing again for like the old school church kids you diving in like stephen carter's chapman when you get fully in this thing and you commit every dead thing comes to life And if you are in an in-between right now, the word for us tonight, if you are in this place, you're going, God, I have done everything I know to do. I dare you to commit more. I dare you to be weird with your faith. To commit to going deeper. If God is calling you to go deeper, here's what it might cost. It might look like praying more. And let me clarify, I don't mean you asking for things more often. It might look like getting alone and turning your phone off and just sitting quietly. Because we spend a lot of time asking God to fix things when a lot of times he's giving us clarity on how to do so. And we just don't listen because we want a genie when he's a father. It might look like fasting. And if the Lord calls you to it, you'll know. You'll feel it. You'll feel it. And I dare you to take a leap of faith. It might look like worship. I was thinking this week, years ago, we had a a baby grand piano backstage in the choir room. And when I first came on staff here at the church, almost every day, I would go back in that choir room and leave all the lights off. And I would just play the piano sing and me and Jesus would have our worship time and now it's been busy 
life has happened. It is what it is. But now most of the time, the only time that I really worship like that is when I'm on stage. And that's awful. I want to go deeper. So, you know, for me, that might look like turning my phone off and going back in that choir room and just singing. It might cost me annoyance, but the Lord might be asking for you to give something up. You may need to give something. It may be your time. That's the, the most precious commodity that we have. But it might be your time. It might be your talent. You're in here and you're really good at something. You may be an extroverted people person. And you don't, you don't serve anywhere. You could kill it as a hospitality member out here on Thursdays, down there on Sunday mornings. Maybe you need to give of the talent that God has given you. Maybe it's your treasure. Maybe you are obsessed over money. The Lord says you can't serve both. So maybe God's calling you to not just to tithe, but to give an offering. There are times in life when God sets an opportunity in front of you to go deeper. And I believe this is one of those. So I want to leave you with this question tonight. What is God asking you to do to go deeper? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to take just a minute and give you an opportunity to hear. Not from me, not from the person around you, but from the Lord. God, what do you want us to do tonight to go deeper? Because we want more.